Welcome to the Bend ICOC podcast, where we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. Don't forget to leave us a review and a rating, and thank you very much for listening. So we are, um, this is kind of Nehemiah 2, part 2, to, to that, and uh, jumping right into it, uh, Joey uh, really set this up, and uh, I think you ran out of the ESV, we're going to take this out of the NIV, but let's just... Let's just read again, and we'll get oriented to what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so Nehemiah, you know, he comes from the, the throne room of the king. He gets all the way out there to, uh, to Jerusalem now. And by night, I went out examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Not a pretty picture as he got there to Jerusalem. Now, so he does the inspection, and then... I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. And so we began this good work. And you know, our theme that Joey has invited us to explore is renewal. And we've got renewal going on in the midst of a broken down city. And uh, so he, he talks about and this phrase, the trouble we are in. And if you've ever been uh, in a work team at work, you've heard sometimes this phrase, do you see the trouble we're in? Or perhaps uh, building a relationship, a friendship, or household, or roommates, there's going to be some time where you would have heard and you will hear, do you see the trouble we are in? There's been times lately nationally where we've thought that, as we've looked at our, our nation and the different upheavals and things that we've been going on culturally and, and economically and socially, and we thought that you see the trouble we are in. And then, and you don't get this every day, this feeling, although it's out there, but in the middle of a global pandemic, you can zoom all the way out to everybody basically on the planet, and there's a resonant, do you see the trouble we are in? Yeah. Anywhere that you're living, there's going to be the opportunity. And then there's this other phrase that Nehemiah brings to it. The gracious hand of my God is on you. So in between those two is where our life flows and where it can flow. And sometimes more prominent to us is seeing the trouble we're in, right? Sometimes that's, that's like overwhelmingly mm-hmm. upon us, the trouble we are in. Uh, but the opportunity alongside of that, running parallel, or maybe running through that, is the gracious hand of God. And any one of those without the other is going to be out of touch or irrelevant. If you only see the trouble you're in and not see the hand of God, that's going to be overwhelming. Wherever you are, anywhere you are, if all you see is the trouble you're in without sensing the gracious hand of God on you, that's going to be a lot to process. That could sink you. That could drive you right over into the depths of despair, couldn't it? But the other thing is also true. To be some kind of a Pollyanna, out-of-touch religious person that only sees the gracious hand of God and never sees and never has a real uh, sense of what's going on in the real world, the, the trouble that's out there, uh, the, the religion and whatever platitudes you might pontificate 
are going to fall flat and fall short of ministering to the heart. But in between those two and interacting between those two, that's where life happens and also where opportunity happens for us. And that's the way it was for Nehemiah. You don't really have a Nehemiah without the trouble that Jerusalem was in. It took both of those and this man's walk with God into and around and through Jerusalem with this that really allowed an opportunity for some incredible things to happen. And so our big idea today is this. Trouble becomes grace in the hand of God. You take the trouble we're in, but you take the gracious hand of God, and you, you live in that and live into that trouble uh, in, in connection with and feeling a sense of the gracious hand of God upon you, and the trouble becomes grace. And some amazing opportunities come only out of the trouble that you're in. And some of your time to shine as a Christian employee, some of your time to shine as a Christian citizen of our country, some of your time to shine as a Christian member of your family or any other group that you're in, including uh, and we shouldn't take this for granted, but a Christian member of our church, you know, that's also helpful to be, is, is that in the trouble becomes the opportunity for grace as we allow God to work. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go to Romans 8. And Romans 8 is an amazing passage to spend time in and spend lots and lots of time in. If you ever find yourself, and Joey, what did he say? You may have woken up on the wrong side of the bed all year. If you ever find yourself living in a year like that, maybe some of your mornings after you wake up on the wrong side of the bed could be in Romans 8, because Romans 8 has a lot of help for us. So there's two big ideas. Well, there's more, but, but, but two themes that uh, are prominent in, in Romans 8. In verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the second, in, down halfway through in verse 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So uh, when we get into the midst of trouble, one of the really tragic things that can happen to us is we can feel condemned. Sometimes the very scriptures that are meant to help us, sometimes we get sideways or we get a disconnect or some, some interference comes spiritually our way and we, the, the, we can feel condemned. And the idea is for us to get this and get it again and again and again and, and, and not let whatever trouble we're in uh, disconnect us from the fact that there's no condemnation for us. The ground we walk on, the air we breathe, the, the essence of our life, inside, out, top, behind, forward, middle, is complete grace, complete assurance, established because there is no condemnation. And, and when we're in the midst of trouble, we, we can lose touch with that, and we've got to reorient it back to that. And then the other thing is always being in contact with there is nothing outside of the working of God. There is no situation. There's nothing that we're going to encounter that is outside of the, uh, the, the uh, involvement and the willingness and the heart and the power and the ability of God to get in and, and act upon it. That's what Nehemiah brought 
in addition to whatever technical and resources and, and just sheer human energy to the situation, he also brought this sense of the gracious hand of God being on them and that God was, was going to be able to work in the midst of this. Okay, so those are two themes that we're going to carry through Romans 8. And then the other is the activity of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 and others, but Romans 8 is so great in reminding us that not only are we not alone, but we're not alone in, in our own individual lived experience going through something. When, when we can sometimes, in the midst of the trouble we're in, feel isolated and alone, that the Holy Spirit is never going to leave us alone, and, and we're never going to be without the Spirit. So, uh, several points on that. One in verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. One of the activities of the Spirit is always trending towards there is a peace pull in the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit loves peace. And it's like Joey has brought out recently, peacemaking, not conflict avoiding, peacekeeping. But, but the Holy Spirit loves peace and loves unity. And as we have in our thoughts and in our minds an orientation to and even control by the Spirit, we're going to be tending and trending even in the midst of conflict and upsetness and trouble. I mean, you might be the one person in your workplace in the midst of chaos and Havoc that's going to have that internal uh, GPS that's pulling you, but it's the Spirit's tug towards life and peace. And then, verse 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And this is so great because sometimes in the fog of trouble and conflict and confusion and difficulty and the state of the world that the world is in, is so divided and so uh, heartbroken. There is a, uh, a loss that we get, a disorientedness. We get punch-struck like the boxer that staggers into his corner and, and they're trying to get the smelling salts to, to get him to wake up. We, we get like that. But the Holy Spirit's never disoriented. The Holy Spirit is never at a loss of what to do. It's just, it's our loss of, of contact with the Spirit. But there's a, there's, there's a possibility of the clarity and the here's my next best step. Here's what... Here's what would be in, in keeping with the will of God and in keeping with the, the peace pull that the Spirit wants to pull me towards. And, and it's the leading of the Spirit that will show us that. And then, and this is just mind-blowingly awesome, within us, by Him, we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself. It's not even like the Spirit sends some other entity to do it you know, third or fourth hand, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. We get, I get weird when I lose touch with my identity as God's child. Mm -hmm. When that's called into question and my, my worth as His child and my who I am gets oriented to something else and someone else's opinion starts to weigh heavily on me and I start to doubt and wonder there is the possibility of deep, deep soul-level affirmation. Any moment, any time, anywhere, no matter what craziness is going on, the 
Spirit testifying. I mean, how deep does this go with our spirit that we're God's children? Okay, so that's something that's going on in, in Romans that provides the, the no condemnation and that God's going to get us through this is the activity of the Holy Spirit in this way. Okay, now having done that, we're going to jump into the deep end of the pool here with this, this Bible study as Paul gets into uh, trouble as he's going to describe it in the middle of Romans 8. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Okay, Paul's take on the trouble we are in, he described, and it's highlighted in hell. First of all, their present sufferings. Now what you like about this is he calls them in the places light and momentary as Paul had a long-range view. And so he could take the trouble that we're in that gets right like this for us, and he could say, wait, let's pull that out, and let's realize that's not the whole story. Perspective is so important. It is, it is present suffering, but it's not eternal suffering. It's present trouble we're in, but it's not everlasting trouble that we're in. So there's the, the present sufferings, and then he... he he zeroes in at the, the nature from a, uh, a theological uh, and, and, then, and then the human side of it, uh, description of it. What, what is the, it's the source of this? What's the nature of this trouble? And he says that the whole creation has been subjected to frustration. We're going to talk about that frustration in, in a bit, but... But he wants us to understand this is, this is pervasive. Whatever this is that's going on, that's trouble, if we wonder why we, we, we cruise along and everything's great, and then there's trouble, and then we're thinking it's, all the trouble is gone, and then there's more trouble, and then sometimes it can feel like everywhere you look there's trouble, and you kind of have a sense, this nagging, uh, anxious sense that there's trouble coming, is that it's, it's, it's pervasive in the... In the life, in the world experience. The entire creation has been subjected to frustration. But that there's a, there's a method to that. God has a purpose and a plan. That, that his working, as verse 28 in Romans says, uh, that those that are called according to his purpose are going to find good in it. This, this is the purpose. There is a, a bondage to decay. There is something about us that we get drawn to and we cling on to the very things that are not going to last. The very things that were not ever meant to last and not ever meant to fulfill us, but those are the things that we, we want to invest in and we, we cling to and we long for and we try to be able to find rest and security in. And so what, what God has done is He's designed them to to break down and wear out. Have you ever wondered that with your phone? You know, you think, did they design this to break down so I have <laughs> to buy a new one? You know, God 
designed creation that way so we would never ever mistakenly think this is our forever home. This, this, is, this is our eternal destiny to be right here right now. It's, it's, it, it doesn't work that way. So, the frustration. The, the word that is, is translated there, frustration, can be translated other ways and it, it's one of those really interesting words. It can be translated futility. It can be translated meaninglessness, emptiness, ineffectiveness, unstable, dysfunctional, unable to fulfill its purpose, and one translation puts it this way, the world was spoiled. Have you ever been in the midst of something just so perfect? Maybe it's the perfect job, or the perfect relationship, or it just seemed like the perfect stage of your life, and then something came along and it spoiled it. It was spoiled. That's the frustration of the world. This is very similar to the Hebrew idea that Solomon breaks down and, and describes in Ecclesiastes. He says, meaningless. It's all meaningless. He says, I investigated all the activities of, of humans under the sun, and it's chasing the wind. That description is what Paul is telling us is the, the essence of the trouble that we're in and the suffering that we experience. It's the fact that we're going along and, and things just aren't working right. Even the, even the places that you would expect it to, where you have two people and they both love God and they, they both have a, a, a Bible orientation and a, an eternal perspective and yet they're, they're, they're not functional. Well, how could that be? Because that dynamic is going on in the midst of an otherwise broken, dysfunctional world that we live in. In fact, Paul will say in Corinthians, there's really only three things that are above this, faith, hope, and love. And the really transcendent thing of that is, is going to be love. Everything else, including all of our structures, including our best designs, including the things that we just think, no, no, this is it, we've arrived, this is state of the everlasting art. We're going to find that now it's all part of that which is in decay. And, and if we have any kind of attachment to it, we are going to end up on somewhere in this definition, yeah. somewhere along the way. It's unstable. It's unreliable. It, you can't depend on it. And so time and time again, what God is inviting us to do is to, to lessen our grip. What we experience, all of us, is, is rope burn. It's the life and emotional and sometimes spiritual equivalent of rope burn. If you've ever held on to something, a tug of war, the rope swing over the lake, or wherever it might have been, something, and you wanted to you wanted to have a firm grip and it just slid through your your hand in such a painful way that it left shreds of skin in the in its way. That, that's our experience. That's, that's what the futility uh, creates. And it goes deeper the deeper we try to hold on and want something a certain way and want it our way. And it's got to be, and it's got to last, and it's got to be perfect, and it's got to be unspoiled. And the more of that expectation we put onto it in the midst of what is otherwise going to be futile, uh, futile uh, the more the suffering builds the more the trouble we are in uh, is something that we end up getting stuck with. So, what, what to do? It's, 
that's going on now, what to do with this? And I'm, I'm thankful that there's there's more than this this uh, dark valley in the midst of Paul's description in Romans 8. So he goes on. We know in the midst of the frustration that the world has been subject to, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we have to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So, three times a word is used uh, in different ways of, of different entities, and it's translated the same word in different ways, and it gives us a little idea of what's going on. That's, that's this word groaning. It's a, it's a word that is used of the experience in childbirth, which it's, it's used there in that sense. It's a, it was used of a, a, a ship going through the narrows or the straits, and it's the idea of some pressure flowing through something and it's forcing it in through a way. So like life is coming, but in the process there's this narrowing and this constrictive process on the way to birth, and, and that creates this, this experience um, painful of, of groaning. So the whole creation is groaning, and, and that's, that's the first thing we've got to realize. This is everybody, everything, everywhere, nothing is left out. The whole creation is experiencing this pressure. The result of the, of the frustration that's been put out there, allowed to be in the system, the whole creation is, is groaning under the burden of it. So that's going on. But then he says, we ourselves, and it's not just any we, it's we who have the first fruits of the Spirit. So we have a resource, that work of the Spirit that is wanting to, to bring life and peace to us, that work of the Spirit that is wanting to deeply testify and affirm that there's no condemnation that we're God's children, that, that work of the Spirit that's, that's so active in our life in, in those ways, still we've got the groaning going on. But this is, we groan inwardly. And the trouble we're in, whatever it is, wherever you are with it, and the gracious hand of God invites the deep inner work to be done. There's work to be done, and it can be done inside of us. There's, there's stuff in our character and there's stuff in our spiritual development, our emotional development, and our, our relational development, that, that the growth of which can only come through the trouble. The development of, of spiritual muscle and emotional muscle and aptitudes are only going to, 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 to be developed as we go through the trouble, but, but, the, but there's an inward. And so, whereas the whole creation is groaning, the invitation for us is to to take it inward with the Spirit for, for what, what is it inside of me, that bondage to decay. What is it that I'm holding on to that's creating this suffering in my life? What is it that I'm looking to and depending on and it's got to be a certain way and, and I'm so invested in, but, it, but it's not part of the eternal plan of God. 
And, and, that's, and there's suffering there. As I look inward, I can begin to maybe see what it is that it, it's, the problem isn't out there, it's, it's something inside of here that is part of that bondage to decay. And the spirit interacting with me can begin to reveal that to me. It's some, some great freedom. The freedom of the children of God that he talked about in that verse can come about inside of me. So simultaneously, while I'm, while I'm waiting and, and, and taking this, this inward journey to, to, to process, to deal with the pressure of, of life with the Spirit, simultaneously the Spirit is with me as well. And, and this is another way that this is described, wordless groans. It's, it's, you, you can't put it into words, and this is so great. I hope we can get this. If you're ever in a time where you're just in such despair, or such frustration, that you don't even have the words to describe it, and the, 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 the path forward, and how are you going to get through this, and, and you don't even know, to, to please know that, man, the Spirit gets us at that time. So the, the, the wordless groans, the, the depth of frustration, whatever it is, uh, the loneliness that we might feel sometime when we're, when, what's going on around us, the frustration. The Spirit is able to take that and take it right directly to the heart of God. Those wordless groans that we wouldn't even know the prayer to pray. The Spirit's got that and is serving that up to, to God Almighty on your behalf. All right, so there's another thing, though, that another place where this word is used. There's the groan inwardly. There's the, the Spirit taking it to the heart of God uh, inaudibly. And then there's, there's this use in James. Don't grumble against one another. And that's another way we can do, and we do, deal with the, the, the frustration and the pressure, and that's we send it outward. You know, we look around at, at our fellow man, and we begin to say they're the problem. Our co-workers are the problem. The boss is the problem. The government is the problem. And, and these are all easy targets and big targets. Mm -hmm. And it's not that, that there's not dysfunction out there, but, but the idea is that that pressure when we're not uh, taking it with the Spirit, and we're not allowing the Spirit to take it to God, we can, we can put it out towards other people. Right. And that's not productive. It, it might be an opportunity for us, that at the point where I'm grumbling against somebody, that might reveal to me something that's important to me. And, and that could be adding back to that important inner work to do. But, but, but that, that person and my directing to them, the, 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 the pressure of my frustration and my, my uh, groaning outward and to grumbling against them is rarely productive. And, and usually I'm not seeing that, that they're caught up in the same frustration too. They've got a whole side that they're dealing with. They've got their whole uh, life experience that they're trying to sort out too. And I may be, yeah, I may be in the wake of, of some of, of what they're living, but, but that's grumbling against is, is not going to yield much in the way of forward progress for me getting through my frustration. And then there's another word, place where it's used, and that is in a, an incident in the, the life 
the story of Jesus. So Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And, and they begged Jesus to place his hands on the man. So imagine this guy's life. Like, he's deaf. Like, he, he, he's not getting anything in in terms of audible uh, information and, and data from the world around him. And that creates, as, as you may know, happens with, with people who, who uh, are challenged by uh, deafness. Is it affects their, their ability to talk and communicate outwardly as well. And so he had this going on that, that he, was, he was shut down in terms of inflow and outflow in his life. And so after, they, after Jesus took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put uh, his finger in the man's ears, interesting healing activity that the Lord does here. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and with the deep sigh, there's our word, the same word, and the spirit uh, groans inaudibly with, with wordless groans. Here it's used of the Lord with a deep sigh. He said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears opened, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak plainly. Now, as, as, as only our Lord can bring, this is the, the ultimate in ways to deal with the frustration of life. We can, we can take it outward and grumble against, but that's not, that's not going to end up being very helpful to us or the person that's on the receiving end of our grumbling. Or, or we can learn from the Lord here. I mean, he, he literally looks up to heaven. And, man, what would that have been like to be there and witness that? And he, with a deep sigh, he says, and he pronounces this over the guy, be opened. When we're in the frustration, it's like our heart gets fisted up. Our, our psyche, our spirit, it just gets knotted up and we feel a withdrawal and a, 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 a distancing and, and a, a shutting down. The, the, what could otherwise be helpful inflow and outflow, it just it gets constricted. And that's, that's what physically had happened to this guy, but it's what spiritually and emotionally happens to us when we're, when, when we're seeing the trouble that we're in, it, that, that, and that's all we're seeing, that can be happening to us. And so Jesus, in the healing of him, the healing was, was about him opening up. And, and this is just a great helpful activity. Sometimes you should try it. Maybe not at the middle of your workstation. Your coworkers might be weirded out, but you might have to take a little lunch break walk or whatever. But, but the idea is to actually do it physically, just, just to, ah, Lord. <laughs> and, and have that way of, of the, there may be some other productive uh, ways to interact with even physiologically with the challenge as opposed to shutting down and tightening up and constricting. So let's remember this activity of the Lord here over this guy as we then finish out uh, Romans 8. We skip all the way through Romans 8 and 
getting towards the end, he says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? I want to stop there and say this is a nice little phrase. If you ever find yourself uh, being on the receiving end of somebody's harsh statements or unkind statements or anything that's causing you to doubt your worthiness in God's eyes or to feel any sense of shame or, or limitedness, this is a great thing to just say to yourself, no charge against the chosen. No charge against the chosen. This, just to have that within your heart as a response to the lies and the attacks of, of Satan. Uh, it's God who justified. Who then is the one who condemned? Answer, no one. And that gets us to verse 1 of Romans 8 and one of the themes he wants us to get through. Nobody can bring a charge against us. Nobody, not anybody. And so we're in the midst of trouble. That should not be a conclusion that we draw. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is, I hadn't seen this before, reading this passage for many years, is also interceding for us. You get the picture? The Spirit is there interceding, and also Jesus is there interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he goes on, he says, shall trouble, shall hardship, no, nothing, neither death nor life nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when we're in the midst of trouble, to get access to the gracious hand of God, we need to remember that our Lord is over us, interceding for us, and he's and he could be saying, I mean, whatever the Lord is interceding for us is going to be just all right. Thank you, Jesus. But imagine him saying over us when we're shutting down and we're tightening up and we're constricting and whether it's fear or anxiety or overwhelmness or despair and we're starting to shut down, could you just hear the Lord saying, Ashatha, be opened. Maybe it's him pronouncing for the heavens to be opened over us, for blessings to come. Maybe it's, it's for a heart that's shutting down and withdrawing to, to be, be opened and to to do that, the counterintuitive thing at the moment, at the moment, and open up our heart to that, and it's it's that in the midst of the frustration and the present suffering and the the bondage to decay, where and maybe we're trying to hold on to something in our grit, and we got the rope burn of frustration going on to just lighten up, open up, let it go, let it go, and let it let it pass on through and give God an opportunity to work. And to, to get the, the constant felt presence of God's love. Never let that be broken. Never allow yourself, not by anybody, not by anything, not by anybody's opinion, not by what anybody's doing, ever to be broken or separated. Because in, in reality, it's not. It's not from God to you. It's just in our, our misunderstood experience of the moment to be separated from his love. So let's uh, transition to communion, take, keeping this in mind. Because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Um, 
in the midst of conflicts with people, and that's, that's always what it is. People can have amazing technical skill on their job, and yet they can get sideways because of the human dynamics. And, and in families, it can be of the same family origin, same blood, and yet get sideways because of the human dynamics. It can happen in any social experiment that, it, that are groups of people. That if we can maintain that, the Lord is always interceding for us. We might be able to find another option, another way to interact. And, and that's really what he's doing uh, when we take the bread for us and when we drink of the cup for us, that the Lord is really interceding very actively on our behalf, imparting forgiveness. Everything that could be done has been done to pay for it, to provide it, and now it's just us through the Lord's intercession gaining access to the saving, to the forgiving, to the, the ability then to, to open up to the trouble we're in, yes, but to the gracious, the gracious hand of God upon us. And, and as we do that, then, then what we're going to find is trouble presents really amazing opportunities. Opportunities that wouldn't otherwise be there for God's way to shine through, for you as a, as a Christian in the workplace or family or wherever you are, to be so distinctive and, and so unique to how other people are dealing with and managing the frustration. And so let's, let's really mindfully, present momently, tap into the always interceding of, uh, by Jesus for us. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we're just so grateful that you love us so much. And we're so grateful that you are always interceding for us, whether it's to invite us to, to let go and to lighten up and, and to open up to you, or whether it's to um, redirect our, our grief away from grumbling against somebody to, to really getting a sense of the Spirit's affirmation within us, or whether it's just knowing deeply, knowing deeply within us, there's no condemnation. We are, we are forgiven. We're your beloved. Uh, we are affirmed by you. We are saved. Our eternal destiny is, is just so set. Um, thank you for that. And we pray that we can partake of the bread and drink of the cup in, in this sharing of this fellowship with you and with each other here and now. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It would mean so much to us if you were to leave us a review and a rating for our podcast so that this message can reach others. Thank you.